Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior, the one to whom we look and to the one through whom we receive eternal life, and he will raise us on the last day. Amen. What great news, right? That we have uh, such a, a living and a loving and a compassionate God who offers us exactly what we need. And as we have been journeying through this um, Gospel of John, particularly this sixth chapter, over the last number of weeks, we continue to see the various ways in which Jesus responds to the needs of the people right where they are. But ultimately we need to ask, but what is the will of our God? What is the will of our Father? And so our text this day gives us that insight and that teaching. As we begin, I have to say, I was struck though this week by something. Do you realize that it's been almost 38 years since the um, uh, Indiana Jones movies first began to come out? I know, that's a surprising question to pose to you. But I don't know about you, but um, those movies are movies with images and stories that for some reason stuck with me. Maybe it was the adventure, maybe it was the fun, but there was often an underlying theme that maybe for some reason left them a little bit ingrained in my mind, kind of like watching the Ten Commandments, right, with Charlton Heston. The reason was because there was often a spiritual undertone or at least a, a reason behind the events of the movie. Let me help you to remember. Go back all the way to the first one, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was about the Nazis trying to find the Ark of the Covenant in order that they could use its power for their evil purposes. And then later on, uh, I think it was the third one, The Last Crusade, was about Indiana and his father searching for the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus supposedly used at the Last Supper, because with that grail, one could find everlasting life. I love those movies. And maybe the reason I love them is because they point to a world and a life beyond this one. But you know, it isn't just a, a storyline in movies like that, that that is often the underlying tone. How about here in Florida? Most of you have probably all been to St. Augustine. We know the story of Ponce de Leon. We know that he was searching all over Florida for the fountain of youth. We have been obsessed probably from the time that sin entered the world to somehow be able to attain eternal life that we could live forever. Such a yearning continues today in our world and also in our lives. It seems that most everyone has this kind of a, a desire to live longer at least, if not even to live forever. Woody Allen once said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You know, it's actually a statement that I think a lot of us would echo. We're like, you know, we kind of know it's inevitable, but we'd rather not think about it. We'd rather not be there when that day comes. 
Well, look around you. And you see not only a desire to live life to its fullest, but people go all out in order to live forever, or maybe I should say at least to look like it. Just drive down 441. Look at the billboards that you see along the highway. Maybe you haven't noticed, but I guess I drive around here enough visiting homes, going to the hospitals. I see these things over and over again. Open up the Daily Sun. How many ads in there are there for cosmetic surgery? You see, that's your answer. That's my answer. If we could just, you know, get rid of the crow's feet and, you know, the drooping eyelids and, you know, a few pounds and everything else, or if that's not the solution, how about a healthier diet, a vegan diet, maybe it's certain vitamins. The truth is these things are, are subtle, but they're there, and often behind it is this drive for this desire to live forever. But my dear friends... Yes, we love this life and we make all kinds of plans that often don't align with what God already has planned for us. We think that modern medicine and science can or will cure anything. The truth is, those in the medical profession often find themselves telling people, you know, that you know, there's nothing more they can do. And one of the lines is, there's got to be something. But the reality is, there's not. We save and we save and we think we can provide everything we need. We even begin to think that there's got to be something else out there, some power, maybe some kind of a, a God who can enable us to overcome our destiny of death. Well, the people who were following Jesus, they had their own ideas. And he revealed to them in a multitude of ways that he is the Son of God, that he has power over all creation. Just consider what we've been looking at. He fed the 5,000. He healed many. And not only did he heal them, he gave the disciples themselves the power for them to go and for them to heal and then he comes and he walks on the water. Then he calms the sea. Then he calms their fear in their hearts. He rules over everything. But in our reading, they come to him in verse 30 and they say, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I don't know about you, but that should be a surprising question coming from those who are following Jesus because they've seen everything I just listed. They've experienced it. They've eaten the bread that He provided, the fish that He provided. And yet here they come and they're asking for more. What will you do? Then He tells them, that he is the bread of heaven that has come down. But they begin to grumble. That's not what they had in mind. That's not what they wanted to hear. Give us bread, they cry out. I wonder how many ways we cry out, give us whatever it is that we are looking for. We too often are a confident and a selfish people. 
we trust ourselves and our ideas alone. Yet, what I love about our Savior God Jesus is He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't get sucked into our plans and our desires, but instead stays focused upon what the Heavenly Father sent Him for. The truth is, while we pursue our ideas, God's better plan unfolds. His better plan. Because we love this life, this world, all of its blessings and more, we can lose sight of God's better plan. But the Lord points the people in our text and He points us right back to the Master's plan. And that's what our text is about today. People like Ponce de Leon have tried to find life everlasting. They've pursued their plans. People try to turn back the hands of time in all sorts of ways. Yet, as the saying goes, the mortality rate is still 100%. Not one of us get out alive. So any attempt to live longer or forever on our own is going to fall hopelessly short. And how about you? In what ways have you sought this? In what ways have you tried to deny the, the reality of death? We face the possibility of death every day. Even the psalmist tells us, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Every day. Have you ever deluded yourself into believing that you can live forever or at least extend your life apart from God's plan? Yet Jesus in our Gospel reading tells us how we can live forever. He says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. See, it wasn't just compassion that he was having for this world. You know, our circumstances here, our tangible needs here in this world, our God, his will was always about that we would be with him and have eternal life. This is the Father's will for you and for me and for all people. He desires that everyone who looks to the Son have eternal life. What must we then believe? And how do we get such saving faith? Well, just before our reading in John, the people asked, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. This means simply to Trust that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. That by His death and His resurrection, He paid the price for our sins. He paved the way to eternal life for all. Jesus further explains how one receives such faith in our text when He says, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. Maybe for some of you who remember memorizing uh, your catechism from Martin Luther, 
in the explanation to the third article of the Creed about the Holy Spirit, remember how he writes, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. I praise God for that statement. Rooted in Scripture, Paul in Romans talking about how except by the Holy Spirit, no one can confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I rejoice in this because in my sinful condition, I have no desire to pursue Him. I try to stand on my own strength. But He draws me to Himself. And I praise God every day for my baptism. And I pray you praise Him for your baptism. For it was there through water and the Word that God's Spirit began to work in us, drawing us to God, and He continues to today. Our perfect, merciful God loves us so much, He made a plan for us to live forever in spite of our sin, in spite of our wandering from Him, in spite of our ideas and our plans. He gives us life everlasting through the fountain of life in the waters of baptism. He gives us the gift of forgiveness and life eternal through His perfect plan, sending His Son that whoever looks to Him and believes will have eternal life. This is the Father's will. This is the Father's plan. A plan of love. A plan of hope. A plan of forgiveness and life. I normally, when I write my sermons, I write them out loud. I do it for several reasons. I do it to see whether there's some kind of logical flow. I do it whether it's spoken language or written language. It helps me to edit and it helps me to learn. But when I began to read this out loud to myself yesterday and, and do my editing, I was like, James, they already know this. Why are you preaching this? You know, you've been taught from probably the time you were very young that you have eternal life through the Son, your Savior, Jesus. So why are you hearing this again? Well, to be honest, the truth is is that we soon forget we soon get distracted from this very truth. Life comes at us. Responsibilities come at us. Other things that you know, capture our attention, our interests, even our hearts. And we begin to forget that He's already taken care of not only every earthly need, but He has taken care of our eternal need. So my dear friends, the Lord reminds us again, even when we pursued our ideas and sought to somehow find life on our own, He loves us and He forgives us. So let's live our lives fully in response, in praise, and in service to Him. Amen.